So hi everybody. Pretty thrilling to see so many of you here. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna spend uh, this week and all the weeks in September um, really uh, thinking about, wondering about, feeling about the Earth and how much. Uh, we are the earth, how much the earth means to us, and uh, sort of contemplating what we have done to the earth, more or less, not really knowing what we were doing, now we know, so we have to look and see what we have done, and do better, and resolve to do better, so it's all of that that we're going to be contemplating this month, and, and we'll do it uh, in large measure by reading uh, Dogen and other, other things. But before we go, go into, uh, oh, and I should say that it's the perfect moment to be doing this, because first of all, it's a super moon and a blue moon today. And also, the air is bad. Judy just, several of you said, oh, the air is not good, and I didn't really notice it, but Judy <clears throat> told me that there's fires burning, so the air is not good, something that we are now <clears throat> used to. It happens. So it's perfect moment to uh, turn our attention in this direction. So first I want to I thank... Uh, I think John, Marianne, Neil, and Jeff, all of whom gave talks in, in August, I really appreciate it. And we learned a lot. And it was really great to turn our attention to those old sutras, ground ourselves in the practice and in the teaching of the Buddha, because that's the most precious thing we do together here. A few announcements. First of all, <clears throat> this is the last uh, week, and that's why it's so great that so many of you are here, the last week that we're going to meet weekly in person, starting uh, in September and going on every month from then on until further notice, because the pandemic has made us change stuff. We were doing the same thing for 20 years, and now all of a sudden it's always different. So until further notice anyway, we're going to be online only the first three weeks of the month and hybrid as we are tonight the last week of the month. And so it's great that so many of you are here because that's the idea. If we do it once a month, maybe it's okay. It makes sense to come once a month. I mean, in, in our practice, I mean, it's it's true for anything and anyone, but, you know, we have lore in our practice tradition about face-to-face -face practice. We really have to be in each other's presence for the Dharma, physical presence for the Dharma to activate itself within us and all around us. It's been a tremendous boon to have online practice, and we really value it, and it's very important. In fact, you know, in the very beginning, when we started Every Day Zen, the internet and online was part of the, part of the uh, concept. The idea was that even though you need to have face-to-face -face practice, all you have to do I mean, is meet once in a lifetime, right? And be face-to-face -face once in a lifetime. So I thought, well, if people were from far away, they could, in those days, we didn't have uh, Zoom and hybrid like this, but I thought they could listen to talks online. Uh, they could then uh, stay in touch by email with one another and with me, and they could come every year, every other year, once every five years, or once in a lifetime to Sashin. And I was doing in those days six, seven Sashins in different places. And in that way, I thought we could practice together face to face, even if we were far away from each other. And I believe that still. So now that we have uh, hybrid events like this and Zoom, and now many many people who 
practice with us regularly with a lot of heart and a lot of uh, intention that have become dear, dear parts of our Sangha. So it's not that we don't value Zoom. It's really important to us. But what's happened is, who knew, you know? What's happened is that when we have a seminar and let's say, make up numbers, let's say there's 50 people attending the seminar on Zoom, 20 or 25 of them are from the Bay Area who could come in person. But don't come in person because, well, it's a bit of a schlep. It's far. And also, do we need to burn more gasoline if we have a gasoline burning car? And a lot of us are getting older. Some of us are old enough that it's very difficult to get out. So the result of having the uh, seminar online is that many people, very few people attend. And it's a lot of work. We have the highest class hybrid events of anybody, Cousin John. <laughs> really, I've been to a lot of retreats and they don't, they don't have the kind of like, they can't believe like the staff of hundreds that we have that make this possible. <laughs> but what that means is it's really hard on John and Greg. So they don't have to do all this when we're online only. So for all those reasons, we're going to uh, try this new uh, routine out. Three weeks, you know, and I also have to drive 40 minutes to get here, right, in traffic and so on. So I, I don't mind being at home right, either. I'm also older. I have an electric car, but even so, you know. Anyway, all I'm saying is come the last week of the month if you're in the Bay Area. And that'll be delightful. We'll get to see each other and be together. Because, as we also know, our sittings uh, at Green Gulch are not the way they used to be earlier in the history of everyday Zen, when the sittings were more intimate at Green Gulch. They're less intimate <coughs> for many reasons. So, last Wednesday of the month. We look forward to that. So that's my first announcement. So for this uh, month of uh, seminar, we'll read Dogen's uh, Sounds of the Valley Streams. And also there's a great essay by Taigen Leighton about Dogen's environmental writing and the environmental aspects of Dogen's point of view on Dharma. And we will have a uh, resource page on the website like we had when Sue gave her seminar a while ago on time, there was a resource page. We'll have a resource page for this week, uh, this month. And Taigen's essay will be on that page or is on that page, as is the notice of the Dogen fascicle that we're reading. And we could put all kinds of things on that page. For example, if people do their own writings or if they have things they want to have us be aware of, those things also could be put on that resource page. All we need is a helpful individual who feels like being in charge of the resource page. So if you're such a person, in other words, somebody that anybody can email sending links to or whatever information to, then uh, that would be great. You can let me know at the end of the seminar so that we can um, maintain a lively resource page for this month's seminar. So we'll meet every week in September, the 4th, the 13th, the 20th, the 27th, and the 27th will be in person. And just for coming attractions uh, in October, Chris is going to lead the seminar that month uh, on the Wheel of Life. We did... Uh, seminar, it seems like not long ago, but I think it's six or eight years ago, on Laudato Si. Do you remember that? Some of you were here. The Pope's encyclical on the environment. And we read through that in detail, and that was a really good seminar. And uh, so those talks are in the featured teachings online if you want to, if you didn't, if you weren't here for those or want to listen to them, they're there.
And also the text of Laudato Si itself is not so hard to get. And it's worth reading because it's, it's, it's really about, um, I mean, uh, in the environmental question sometimes appears to be a technical question. It's not a technical question. It's a spiritual question. It's a human question. And that's something that Laudato Si makes clear. The Pope uh, writes about how this is a religious question. It's something for all of us who are concerned about our spiritual lives and actively practicing in our spiritual lives. It's something we should all be concerned about and thinking about. It's not just a political or a technical matter, although there are those dimensions to it as well. So in addition to our study, we're going to hear from people starting tonight with their own personal statements. Tonight, I think, we're going to hear some odes that were written by the Sangha uh, to the earth. <coughs> and every week, we'll hear some things from Sangha members who have things to say about this, personal things, or sometimes things that we should be aware of in the news. For instance, what I was reading about, I think yesterday or something like that, is this uh, unbelievable study that the New York Times has done about groundwater in America. I'm sure many of you have seen that. They did a tremendous amount of statistical research with diagrams and pictures and yet another angle on the catastrophe that we're in, which is that groundwater in the United States is little by little by little drying up. We're basically using a tremendous amount of water. It's not being replaced. This is a really, 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 really bad problem. And conservation of water is something that is absolutely imperative. Stuff like that, that you might not know about, now you know about it. And things like that, other people will maybe be telling us as we go along. A sidebar before before uh, you hear uh, the climate odes and other things. Sue asked me to report about the World Parliament of Religions that I attended a couple of weeks ago in Chicago, and, and I will because I think it's quite relevant to everything that we're talking about this month. I I. There was a World Parliament of Religion in 1893 in the Palmer House in Chicago. It was really important and famous because it was the first time that a Zen Buddhist person and other Asian religious people had ever been to the West and had ever been actually seen and heard as religious leaders in 1893. And they had another one 100 years later in 1993, and I went to that one, also at the Palmer House in Chicago. And, and then since then, they've been doing them every now and then. And it's the kind of thing that I would not really want to attend. You know? Because it's like a giant conference in a giant you know, conference center. And uh, to me, those things are not uh, edifying. But I went to this one because I am, you can all hear me OK, right? Uh, I went to this one because mm -hmm. I am on the board of an organization called the Elijah Interfaith Institute. And uh, I don't know why or how I'm on the board of that, but I am. And I very seldom go to the meetings because the headquarters is in Jerusalem and the meetings are always somewhere really far away. So I usually don't attend. But when the pandemic came and they were online, I started attending. And then this meeting, of the Elijah Interfaith Institute was held concurrent with the parliament. So half a day we were in this meeting, and the other half day we could attend the parliament. So that's why I was there. And uh, it's a wonderful thing, you know, because uh, this institute board has all these people from all over the world in all kind of different religions. So there was a guy there who is the metropolitan, which is like the archbishop, I think, of the Greek Orthodox Church 
in the Ukraine. He was there with his giant hat, you know, the hats that they wear, his black robes. And he had to fly, he had to drive eight hours to get out of the Ukraine. There are no flights leaving the Ukraine. He had to drive to Bucharest to fly to Chicago. There was a woman there, a very impressive and wonderful woman, who was the Archbishop of the National Church, Lutheran Church of Sweden. And, and she had a lot to say about um, um, uh, peacemaking between her church representing Sweden and the government and the Sami people, the indigenous people of Sweden. And they did a tremendous uh, repairment with them. It was really something. There, were, there was one woman there from India who was like a, a super enlightened guru lady who uh, every day in India feeds like 100,000 people or something like that, 100,000. Yeah, probably that. I, you know, all the names are long and I couldn't get them, but maybe that's her, yeah. And she also had started numerous schools and universities and everything. She was really something. And uh, so anyway, all these, all these wonderful people were there. And the thing, and uh, two tr tremendously sweet and astute sisters from the Plum Village to Han group, Sister Power and Sister Tree. Those are translations of their Vietnamese names. So I, I and, and the thing that was remarkable about it is that just sitting around talking as friends, no posturing, no baloney, no, no doctrines, trying to be friends. And people were just so genuine. It was really quite beautiful. So I, really, I did enjoy that, although, you know, we didn't do anything or talk about anything worthwhile particularly, but we did make friends, and that was really sweet. What was inspiring about the parliament is that all over the world, people are doing all kinds of things to promote justice and the environment. So many things going on, you have no idea. There were, there were hundreds, there was a book this thick with all the workshops going on every day. And all the workshops were more or less reports from different groups that were doing wonderful things all over the world. There were numerous um, young people, 18, 19 year old people, most of them young women, who had started gigantic environmental organizations and were traveling all over the world in, on behalf of the planet. Almost whenever there was anything on the planet and on, on the environment, it always included indigenous people who at this point have a special role to play uh, in the times ahead. So it was really, really inspiring. But one of the things that um, we, the Elijah Interfaith Institute, did, we had a place on the program, on the giant stage, to perform a climate repentance ceremony, which we did. And it was really, really moving. Um, the Elijah Interfaith Institute has, I would say, more than half of the members are uh, from theistic religions, uh, Islam, Judaism, Christianity. And so uh, the idea of, of repentance, it was very uppermost in their minds, uh, and it was a beautiful ceremony. But repentance, you know, we also have, right, when we chant all my ancient twisted karma, that's the verse of repentance. And what is repentance if not acknowledging your mistakes, looking carefully at the results of those mistakes, resolving to go on in a better way, and doing that? So it makes sense to have a climate repentance ceremony. And if we can manage this, I think that we're going to do a version of that ceremony tonight. I think I figured out a way that we could do it without too much hubbub. Um, so, um, that's what I wanted to say for the moment. So right now, I have a list uh, of people who, I'm told, have composed um, earth odes or climate odes or anyway, statements, 
poetic statements that they want to make tonight. This is a list. Uh, Greg, Ty, Beth, Martha, who's online, John, I have one, Bruce King, who's online, uh, Patricia, who's here, Roberta is here, Audrey, you're here, right, Audrey? Yeah, Audrey's here, and Lulu, who's online. That's too many people for tonight, but some of them will be tonight, and the rest of them who won't be tonight, will. I'll keep this list, and they'll be next week, so that we'll be sure to have some saved up for next week, and that's not including those of you who, when you hear about this idea, want to do it too, and so you'll have some. So I think maybe, uh, John, the sound is good enough so that if somebody stands up and speaks loudly, they'll be able to be heard? Uh, yes, but I'll just switch, turn that speaker around. Okay, we'll turn the speaker around. So I'll, I'll call on uh, some people from the list. I think we'll specialize, since we're here tonight, in people who are here. So why don't we start with John? Can we do that? So stand up, and, and I think, and, and the people online online will let us know if if we can't if they can't hear, they'll let us know. But I'm pretty sure they will. We have really high class equipment. <laughs> Ode to Greta Thunberg. All praise to you, Greta Thunberg, protester extraordinaire birth daughter of the eco-revolution, rigorous, relentless, always prepared, armed with friends and true information, you, indefatigable believer, never diminished or defeated, carrying the torch of your generation's future life, a statue of youth, liberty, and imagination, illuminating dark secrets, prohibitive policies, phony science, Oh, you seven-year-old girl sitting outside the Swedish parliament for weeks and months, outing trickster polluters, greedy deal-makers, and corporate promise-breakers. You, oh, you, Greta, young woman of great courage, facing extraordinary obstacles, power-mongers, spooky patriarchs, you powering on leading our global climate movement, not standing down, not acquiescing. You, Greta, yes, you are us, and we are you never giving up. Yay! Somebody here, somebody here knows, somebody who knows Greta, and will send that poem to her, right? I'm sure. Ty, you ready? So stand up and as loud as you can. And Tom, could you maybe come forward a little yeah, bit? Yeah, maybe I'm coming sure forward is good. Yeah, yeah, for your voice. voice. Yeah, for your voice. Ode to the hard truth. The stone hard beauty. Of what is. I sing of Mother Planet's gravity as she holds me in her arms day and night. I chant the viscosity of her atmosphere at 15 pounds per square inch, thick enough for birds to swim in and to climb around on. I sing of breathing that she and all of us do together. She powers each creature's in-breath. We respond, squeezing each lungful back out. Just the hard facts. So exciting. I sing of carbon, the four-handed atom, of oxygen, its partner in building up our living flesh cellulose, carbohydrates. I sing of carbon with oxygen, linked molecule that holds the radiated heat of the sun close to Mother Planet's rocky surface. 
at 422 parts per million, it's growing too hot for this sampling of life forms. Not good for caribou, not good for polar bears. For a while, 55 million years ago, her CO2 blanket was even thicker, thicker than this, during a great burp of CH4. Some, that's methane. Some horses survived, some birds, alligators, camels, bears. Some primates survived to become our ancestors. I sing of a mother planet. Welcome us all with the most extraordinary range of possible temperatures, rich chemistry, perfect distance from the sun, hard facts, hard truth, stone hard beauty, again and again. Thanks, Todd. Beth. Yeah, come on up, come on, stand up here, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I think if those are the those are in the back, need to, we'll need to come forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I wrote this on July the sixth. USA, we celebrate Independence Day on the 4th of July. On the morning of the 4th of July, Ty said to me, this is astounding. Yesterday, July 3rd, was the hottest day on earth since records have been taken. Gratitude to you, counters and recorders, graphers and charters of the global daily average temperature. You tell us that the previous record set on August 14th, 2016, of 62.46 degrees Fahrenheit has been surpassed. Yes, July 3rd hit 62.62 degrees. Gratitude to you, weather people and scientists and reporters. You tell us that the world started tracking the global daily average temperature in 1979, and that there were instrument-based global temperatures recorded back to the mid-1800s, and there is data captured from tree rings and ice points. Thank you, thank you. That tells us it has not been this hot for the last 125,000 years. Let us sit with this for a moment. On the morning of the 6th, Ty said to me, this is astounding, dot, 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 hottest day, dot, dot, dot. I replied, yes, you told me that already. No, said Ty. That was about the third. On the 4th of July, the record was broken again. The global daily average temperature rose from 62.62 to 62.9 degrees Fahrenheit. Two small examples of what this meant on the 4th of July. In the USA, 52 million people were under, in quotes, dangerous conditions. And in Northern Africa, the temperature hit 122 degrees Fahrenheit. Gratitude to you, meteorologists, who explain that these hottest days occur when global warming and El Nino and the annual global cycle align. And that is now. Oh, 4th of July, perhaps henceforth, we could call you Interdependence Day. Can Ty be correct? Could this be our Pearl Harbor moment? Oh, 4th of July, 2023. We will do our best to help you hold this title. Great. I'm going to ask you not to clap. Don't clap. Don't clap. And also, mine is only one sentence long. <clears throat>
it was also pretty. It was also pretty, the wood before the ash. This, what was it, a bottle cap, a doll, before the thrill and the clash, and the forgotten memory of all that came before, and of what helped. Yeah, could you say it again? Sure. It went by right. too fast though. Say it again. It was all so pretty, the wood before the ash. This, what was it? A bottle cap? A doll? Before the thrill and the clash? Before the forgotten memory of all that came before and of what helped? That one makes you think. I too must put my glasses on to read. Protect. Are you guys online hearing all this more or less? Can you hear? Um, yeah. Yes, they're Thank telling you. me now. Okay, I want a little help from anybody and everybody about the Kaya, so like uh, Sambhogakaya and Nirmanakaya. So is Nirmanakaya the, the body of the Buddha? Yeah. Okay, and Sambhogakaya is? The body of the Buddha only. Uh, oh, oh, they're different bodies. Three bodies, yeah. 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 Sambhogakaya is the enjoyment body, Nirmanakaya is the transformation body, and Dhammakaya is the absolute body. Okay. Okay. Dharma Gaya, sister of Dharma Kaya, Buddha. Oh, Greek goddess of earth, earth herself, mother of all life, earth, spirit. From her, the world was born, and her creation brought calm to an otherwise chaotic universe. Not above or below us, surrounding us, embracing and penetrating us is us, and we are her, them. I now am her, them. <laughs> she, they, now is not me. <laughs> oh, vast one who gives myriad beings and non-beings life, all life growing, each life maturing into its actualized uh, potential, benefiting all life in the balanced accord of your blessings, your ecology, and the bird eats the worm within this sacred balance accord. The cat stalks the bird, and even as you receive us into your once green lap, the worm eats humankind. Life kills other life to live another day. Must we kill you? To live another day? Are we not killing ourselves as we kill you? Oh, Dharma Gaya, you are killing us in return. You can no longer absorb and compost the trash we spew out to your surface, onto your surface, into your atmosphere and oceans, into your underground hideaways and byways. Oh, dear Dharma Gaya, please teach us how to hear your cries. Teach us to know and learn how to and what to do, what to do continuously and without stopping, while grieving and without anger, only with devotion and fervor, while breathing continuously, hearing, seeing, feeling the cries of the world, our cries, your cries, our anguish, your anguish. Your cries, our cries, your anguish, our anguish. Sorry. <laughs> whatever we do, whatever we offer while breathing, without stopping, without anger or rancor, while breathing, without stopping, we shall do it continuously, with gratitude, continuously, with devotion, without stopping, while breathing, continuously. Yeah.
This is an ode to mycelium, inspired by Entangled Life by uh, Merlin Sheldrake. O oh, mycelium, generous guardian of great mysteries, with deep wisdom that heralds far before history, I raise my kombucha to thee. <laughs> Kindly continue to weave your wonder of terrestrial stability. With suspicions peaked, theories abound. It is you who harness all ground that preciously balances the life bound. In all your forms, known and not, O oh quiet, constant caretaker, may our gratitude for you ferment an awakening for the benefit of all beings. Thank you. Yeah. I'm not sure this is an ode, but I think of it as an offering. When I started following the way, my heart burst into flames. Now the world is too. I went to live in fire country, not knowing it had that secret name, as every place and person bears that secret that surprises you. In 2017, in Redwood Valley, two teens died as they with their parents were fleeing a fire on a rural road. My friend's son, their neighbor, found one of the bodies and felt forever inadequate. I called them once to tell them to evacuate, he said. I should have called them again. Thus, we are responsible for one another and we vibrate with love and grief, even denial being a response. Not one of us not threaded into this inescapable web which binds us, makes us cautious and quiet and tender. And even though some rush to the flames and some flee them, it all turns us toward the light the fire, the smoke still lingering in my gut and throat from when paradise burned. There is metal in my mouth, ashes on my windshield, pieces of a town delivered by a wind whose direction might decide who lives or dies. And yet nature is not against us. Each moment, what we have eaten converts into energy that the body burns for fuel. No transformation is possible without these fires. I guess my body functions until it doesn't. I am queasy now from the hatreds and poisons I have unthinkingly inhaled. Can my heart burn clean to receive all the grief? Will I learn the secret name of the boy that burned and the girl and the house? and the horse that got led out to US 101 safely, step by step, with its owner pacing beside it, holding its reins. Let's leave it there, and we will have Martha and Lulu next week when we're all on. And I'm going to I'm going to end this section by reading you um, Canticle of the Creatures, which is the poem of Saint Francis that has a line in it Laudato Si that is uh, the title of the Pope's encyclical. So this is Saint Francis in 1226 writing this. 
canticle of the creatures. Most high, all powerful, all good Lord, all praise is yours, all glory, all honor, and all blessing. To you alone, most high, do they belong. No mortal lips are worthy to pronounce your name. Be praised, my Lord, through all your creatures, especially through my Lord, brother, son, who brings the day, and you give light through him. And he is beautiful and radiant in all his splendor. Of you, most high, he bears the likeness. Be praised, my Lord, through sister moon and the stars. In the heavens you have made them bright, precious, and beautiful. Be praised, my Lord, through brothers wind and air, and clouds and storms and all the weather through which you give your creatures sustenance. Be praised, my Lord, through sister water. She is very useful and humble and precious and pure. Be praised, my Lord, through brother fire, through whom you brighten the night. He is beautiful and cheerful and powerful and strong. Be praised, my Lord, through our sister, Mother Earth, who feeds us and rules us and produces various fruits with colored flowers and herbs. Be praised, my Lord, through those who forgive for love of you, through those who endure sickness and trial. Happy those who endure in peace, for by you, Most High, they will be crowned. Be praised, my Lord, through our sister bodily death, from whose embrace no living person can escape. Woe to those who die in mortal sin, Happy those she finds doing your most holy will. The second death can do no harm to them. Praise and bless my Lord and give thanks and serve him with great humility. 1246, St. Francis. So now I thought uh, we would do the climate repentance ceremony. And uh, after it's over, I don't know how long it takes, but after it's over, I mean, whatever time we have, uh, we'll have discussion. So I think I would like to ask for, uh, for assistance. And I would like to ask if Judy and Sue and Kathy and John could help me do this and sit up here by me. All on, all on, all on, all, well, you can sit up, well, actually, no, I need the bell, so, if you can all fit on that side. No, if you can see everybody, let's see. I wonder, maybe it's better if you sit, maybe it's better if you sit in the first row, because then the camera can see you. I think if you sit up here, the camera... Is that right, John? The, ca uh, the camera is showing. That's the, yeah, that's right. That's good. Yeah. So if you sit in the first row. Should we, should we sit closer? Yeah, closer together. Yeah. Thank you for being willing to help. I appreciate it. Um, there is a. Uh, There is a uh, climate statement written for one of the big climate meetings by Thich Nhat Hanh. And I'm pretty sure that this is the same statement that was part of the climate repentance ceremony that we did at the parliament. But if it's not, it's, we have a new, new text. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's about a 1,200 words, and, and it's, 
I've numbered it into eight numbers. So uh, there's four of you. So what I would like to do is maybe John, since he's sitting closest to me, he can start reading number one, and uh, uh, which is very brief, and then Kathy number two, Judy number three, and Sue number four, and then we'll start again with John five, six, seven, eight. Some of them are a little short, some of them are a little longer. And the idea is that when each reader is finished, I'll ring a bell. And we'll listen for the whole sound of the bell, and we'll breathe for a few minutes once the sound of the bell is over, and the next, re the next person will read the next section. And when we're finished with section number eight at the end, we'll just ring the bell twice, and we'll have a final pause. And the idea is that we listen very carefully to what's being read, and we really take it to heart and uh, feel it and see what comes into our hearts when we hear it. And I'll be the bell ringer. Okay, so um, John will read and then just pass the text on to Kathy. Loud voice. This beautiful, bounteous, life-giving planet we call Earth has given birth to each one of us, and each one of us carries the Earth within every cell of our body. And the earth are one. The earth is our mother, nourishing and protecting us in every moment, giving us air to breathe, fresh water to drink, food to eat, and healing herbs to cure us when we are sick. Every breath we inhale contains our planet's nitrogen, oxygen, water vapor, and trace elements. When we breathe with mindfulness, we can experience our interbeing with the Earth's delicate atmosphere, with all the plants, and even with the sun, whose light makes it possible the miracle of photosynthesis. With every breath, we can experience communion. With every breath, we can savor the wonders of life. We need to change our way of thinking and seeing things. We need to realize that the Earth is not just our environment. The Earth is not something outside of us. Breathing with mindfulness and contemplating your body, you realize that you are the Earth. You realize that your consciousness is also the consciousness of the Earth. Look around you. What you see is not your environment, it is you. Great Mother Earth, whatever nationality or culture we belong to, whatever religion we follow, whether we're Buddhists, Christians, Muslims, Jews, or atheists, we can all see that the Earth is not inert matter. She is a great being who has herself given birth to many other great beings including Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, prophets and saints, sons and daughters of God and humankind. The 
earth is a loving mother, nurturing and protecting all peoples and all species without discrimination. When you realize the earth is so much more than simply your environment, you'll be moved to protect her in the same way as you would yourself. This is the kind of awareness, the kind of awakening that we need. And the future of the planet depends on whether we're able to cultivate this insight or not. The earth and all species on earth are in real danger. Yet, if we can develop a deep relationship with the earth, we'll have enough love, strength, and awakening in order to change our way of life. We can all experience a feeling of deep admiration and love when we see the great harmony, elegance, and beauty of the earth. A simple branch of cherry blossom, the shell of a snail or the wing of a bat, all bear witness to the earth's masterful creativity. Every advance in our scientific understanding deepens our admiration and love for this wondrous planet. When we can truly see and understand the earth, love is born in our hearts. We feel connected. That is the meaning of love, to be at one. Only when we've truly fallen back in love with the earth will our actions spring from reverence and the insight of our interconnectedness. Yet many of us have become alienated from the earth. We are lost isolated and lonely. We work too hard. Our lives are too busy and we are restless and distracted, losing ourselves in consumption. But the earth is always there for us, offering us everything we need for our nourishment and healing. The miraculous grain of corn, the refreshing stream, the fragrant forest, the majestic snow-capped mountain peak, and the joyful bird song at dawn. True happiness is made of love. Many of us think we need more money, more power, or more status before we can be happy. We're so busy spending our lives chasing after money, power, and status that we ignore all the conditions for happiness already available. At the same time, we lose ourselves in buying and consuming things we don't need, putting a heavy strain on both our bodies and the planet. Yet much of what we drink, eat, watch, read or listen to is toxic, polluting our bodies and minds with violence, anger, fear, and despair. As well as the carbon dioxide pollution of our physical environment, we can speak of the spiritual pollution of our human environment. 
the toxic and destructive atmosphere we're creating with our own way of consuming. We need to consume in such a way that truly sustains our peace and happiness. Only when we're sustainable as humans will our civilization become sustainable. It is possible to be happy in the here and the now. We don't need to consume a lot to be happy. In fact, we can live very simply with mindfulness. Any moment can become a happy moment. Savoring one simple breath, taking a moment to stop and contemplate the bright blue sky or to fully enjoy the presence of a loved one can be more than enough to make us happy. Each one of us needs to come back to reconnect with ourselves, with our loved ones, with the earth. It's not money, power, or consuming that can make us happy but having love and understanding in our heart. The bread in your hand is the body of the cosmos. We need to consume in such a way that keeps our compassion alive. And yet many of us consume in a way that is very violent. Forests are cut down to raise cattle for beef or to grow grain for liquor, while millions in the world of are dying of starvation. Reducing the amount of meat we eat and alcohol we consume by 50% is a true act of love for ourselves, for the earth, and for one another. Eating with compassion can already help transform the situation our planet is facing and restore balance to ourselves and the earth. Nothing is more important than brotherhood and sisterhood. There's a revolution that needs to happen, and it starts from inside each one of us. We need to wake up and fall in love with Earth. We've been homo sapiens for a long time. Now it's time to become homo conscious. Our love and admiration for the earth has the power to unite us and remove all boundaries, separation, and discrimination. Centuries of individualism and competition have brought about tremendous destruction and alienation. We need to reestablish true communication, true communion with ourselves, with the earth and with one another as children of the same mother. We need more than new technology to protect the planet. We need real community and cooperation.
All civilizations are impermanent and must come to an end one day. But if we continue on our current course, there's no doubt that our civilization will be destroyed sooner than we think. The earth may need millions of years to heal, to retrieve her balance and restore her beauty. She will be able to recover, but we humans and many other species will disappear until the earth can generate conditions to bring us forth again in new forms. Once we can accept the impermanence of our civilization with peace, we will be liberated from our fear. Only then will we have the strength, awakening, and love we need to bring us together. Cherishing our precious earth, falling in love with the earth, is not an obligation. It is a matter of personal and collective happiness and survival. Having chanted the ceremony of climate repentance, having deeply taken within our heart, within our hearts, mistakes of humanity, and the dire consequences of these mistakes, and resolved never to forget the earth, to, to do whatever is within our power every day, to turn around this long human tent trend. We offer the merit of our chanting and our sincere thought to our dear earth, who is ourself, may we do right by her. And we also offer this merit for the safe crossing over our dear friends, Isabel Stenzel, Tim Welsh, Frank Cody, Janet Adler, Sinead O'Connor, Claudette Hebert, Wes, Wes Nisker, Kathy Cook, John David Rothschild, Stephen Barry Rothschild, Gregory Wonderwheel, Joyce Hawks, Raphael Lloyd, Alan Dennison, and for the well-being of Steve Anderson, Laura Stillman, Jesse DeCoven, Amelia Roberts, Gary Gordon, Kathleen Martin, Miriam Fuchs, Roy Bergman, Mary Kay, Carla Trippi, Julie Freiberg, David Olson, Christina Monson, Shari Motro, Joan Levy, 
Christopher Sawyer Lausano, Dorothy Richmond, Randy Heilbrunn, Jan Van Clay, Greg Snyder, Rick Kahn, James Feichtel, Sue and Rick Whitkop, Bruce King, Steve Weintraub, Beckley Wilson, David Schiff, Bernard Golan, Katie Smith, Faith Elizabeth Harrison, Nathaniel Bayonne, Rena Carson, Jim Dietz, Don Sanders, Lisa Murphy, Jamie Ross, Pamela Goodyear, Leticia Ortigas, Anne Haggett, Mary Ann Stewart, Edward Espy Brown, Paul Bickner, Jeanette Cornforth, Evelyn Natalia, John Robinson, Jeanette Gross, Dorothy Bickner, Carl Magruder, Victoria Austin, Susan Lynn, and suffering, our dear Mother Earth, <coughs> no peace and healing through Buddha's way. Fifteen minutes or so, fifteen twenty minutes. So I think uh, rather than get into groups, let's just uh, hear comments from anybody who has one. Uh, I'll call on people in the room. I'll call on people online. Uh, recording. Yes. The next one. 